Here's what's coming up on today's show. Do you wonder when you should claim Social Security benefits to make the best decision for your financial future? Today, Mark and I will continue our conversation to debunk common myths about Social Security and provide answers you need to make the best decision for your benefits. It's easy to get lost on the way to retirement. Things like taxes, improper planning, and excessive market risk can all lead you astray from your goal of a successful and happy retirement. That's where Liz Whittaberry comes in. She's a holistic financial advisor and the founder of Best Path Advisors, and she can help guide you to a better financial path. This is Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. It's Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry and myself back again to talk about some social security myths. We did the top five, or I guess five, uh, on the prior podcast, and we're going to finish up with myth six through ten on this one. And you don't need to listen to the prior one to listen to this one, but you know it certainly isn't a bad idea. So if you haven't done so, consider going and checking that out. That came out just a couple of weeks ago. And you can find all the information at Liz's website at bestpathadvisors.com. Lots of good tools, tips, and resources there, as well as linking up with the podcast and checking out prior episodes. And if you subscribe, you can also catch future episodes. And you can do that complimentary, of course, with uh, any podcasting app that you like to use, whether you're an Apple fan or Google or Spotify. I just hit the little follow button or heart button, whatever that happens to be on that app. And that way you catch future episodes as they come out. So this week we're going to do, again, myth six through ten. So how are you doing, Liz? You doing all right? I am doing great. I'm doing great. Good. And so, it's good to be talking with you again. Absolutely. So you did such a good job breaking down the first five. Let's dive into the next five. Now, these some of these are a little bit more uh, nuanced, I guess, than the first five. The first five kind of were some of the biggies, I think, that most mm-hmm. people hear. But these are some interesting, uh, interesting myths as well. Uh, and I think there's some good information to be found in here for folks. So let's dive in and tackle myth six. You can't work and receive Social Security benefits at the same time. And Liz, this one probably gets, as we talked about before, there's usually like a little nugget, right, that kind of turns the myth, you know, in the wrong direction. This one probably comes from the fact that if you turn Social Security on early, there are limitations to how much you can work or I guess how much you can make. Maybe that's where this comes from. So can you break that down? Yeah, there is what is called an earnings limit. Uh, And you do want to be aware of that if you're under full retirement age. Uh, The earnings limit under full retirement age in the years... And let's break that down. There's the year that you're going to turn your full retirement age. Okay, that's that's treated one way. And then there's the years before that year that you're going to turn full retirement age. Well, those years before that, from, say, 62 to 65 or 66, those years have a very low earnings limit. Uh, the earnings limit in, in this year, 2023, is $21,240. And if you make over that, and you're collecting Social Security, then you're going to lose $1 of Social Security for every $2 that you're over. So you're getting, you're earning money, you're collecting Social Security, you're giving back, you know, potentially half of your Social Security. You've turned the Social Security on and locked in a lower payout. So the numbers don't work very well over the long term. It's much better to just wait until you're not working or uh, you know, if you're someone that wants to have a part-time job, uh, retire and have a part-time job and earn that earnings limit or not a lot more than the earnings limit so that you're not really impacting your Social Security, then that's something that can be done and can make sense. But 
you do get that back eventually once you reach full retirement age they'll they'll look at what they took back from you and they'll give it back to you over your life expectancy so it's this tiny little amount that comes back over a long number of years mm -hmm. in the year that you turn full retirement age then you have a much bigger limit uh it's currently 56,250 and that's just the one year right that one year that yeah. you're going to turn full retirement age uh and you lose a dollar for every three dollars over so oh, it's a much okay. it's a much smaller impact yeah. the month that you turn full retirement age from that point forward you can earn as much as you want yeah, sky's the limit right exactly yep. and collect your full social security so i tell people if you're still working wait until full retirement age now it may make sense to continue working and go ahead and turn social security on there may be reasons to do that i even had many years ago i had a, a client who uh, went back to work and had turned on social security and just put the social security into a savings account and mm -hmm. amassed a very large savings account because she continued to work to 85. Mm, there you go yeah yeah so it's all about planning it's all about strategizing for what it is that you want to do right everybody's situation is different but just know uh that you can work and get benefits it's just if you do it early you do have some earnings limitations so my brother's actually gonna do the same thing he's gonna be retiring here this uh this summer i believe late this summer uh and he's just a little bit shy of full retirement age uh because the company he works for is going to be I guess downsizing or whatever. So he's decided, you know, he's not going to do the full time thing. He's just going to do something part time. And I was like, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, as long yeah. as I don't make over that twenty one thousand, I was like, there you go. Just do a little something on the side for fun. So everybody Perfect. can look. Yep, everybody can do things different ways. Just depends on what it is that you need. All right, myth number seven, Liz. Social Security benefits are only for U.S. citizens. This one is actually seems like a no brainer. We kind of hear that and go, well, yeah, that makes sense. But there are a few caveats. Actually, quite a few caveats actually for folks who might not be. The first one that popped in my head was, well, just being married to a U.S. citizen, right? Right. If you have um, a Social Security number and you've worked at least 10 years in the U.S., then you've paid into Social Security, then you you have the potential for getting that Social Security benefit. And like you say, if you're married to a U.S. citizen and you qualify under all of the rules, then you can get Social Security benefits. So it's not limited to only U.S. citizens. There are certain non-citizens that do get to collect that benefit as well. Yeah, and there's a ton of little things. If you go on ssa.gov, there's lots of little caveats. Um, really some interesting ones that I just hadn't thought of, that I would have never thought about. So this is where, like, our very first myth, Liz, where it was talking about the SSA administration people, um, you know, providing you with information. This is where they come in really handy, right? This right. is the kind of stuff that you can find out uh, for all the different caveats for non-U.S. citizens. There's tons of them. Versus something like, hey, when's the best time for me to turn it on kind of thing? This is the kind of information. Right. This is rules. Yeah. So yeah. You, you go, you check the rules, you you see how you compare to the rules and uh, determine if you do or don't have a, a benefit. And right. then if you do, you need to figure out the strategy. Then you go from there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Myth number eight. This one's interesting as well. If you have a pension, you cannot be eligible or you won't be eligible for Social Security benefits. And I didn't think that was a thing. But it actually is. But it's a very specific thing. So it's not like just everybody who who has a pension. If you get a pension from, I don't know, let's say GM, it doesn't mean you're not eligible. There's These are usually government mm -hmm. type of entities and things like that. Mm -hmm. There's a Social Security differentiates between what they call a covered pension and a non-covered pension. So a covered pension is a pension that you've earned in a job 
where you also paid into Social Security. The pension is generally, you know, it's something set up by the company. You say GM, it could be any number of companies. But you are also paying into Social Security and earning Social Security benefits. Non-covered pensions would be those that you earn working for an entity that does not pay into Social Security because they have their own alternative. Railroad retirement has the railroad retirement system that's meant to mirror Social Security, but it is not Social Security. And you don't get Social Security benefits, you get railroad retirement benefits. The teacher retirement system, uh, you know, any of the city uh, municipalities, there's many government entities of that sort that do not pay into Social Security, they pay into their own retirement system. And so those are the pensions that since you don't pay into Social Security, you may or you won't get Social Security from that particular job, but it can also impact your Social Security benefits if you're eligible for, you know, a retirement benefit from a previous job where you did pay into Social Security, mm-hmm. or if you're eligible for retirement benefit, uh, spousal benefit on your spouse's work record. Uh, there's what's called the windfall elimination provision WEP that reduces the benefit that you would get under your own Social Security if you also have this non-covered pension. Gotcha. And then government pension offset would reduce your spousal benefits and your survivor benefits if you also have this non-covered pension. So most of the people that have the non-covered pension are are aware of that, but don't necessarily know how it would work. And I recently had a client who thought that uh, she would not get anything because she was a teacher and she had, you know, she was going to be impacted by both windfall elimination provision and the government pension offset. But when I looked at the numbers, I really thought that they would get some, that she would get some amount of benefit. It turns out that she's getting $964 a month Hmm. in social security. And she almost didn't apply because she thought I won't get anything. Right. Yeah. That's good then. Yeah, uh, it's really kind of, again, finding out the the nuances and working your way through them. And because there are there are tons of and I get it. You can go to SSA.gov. There's a lot of good information there. And sometimes, it you know, it reads a little funky, right? It gets a little hard to understand uh, in some of the, the, the way they write things out. So it's important to sit and really sit down and talk with an advisor, especially one who's got some experience uh, with, you know, the Social Security Administration, because there are a ton of little rules and nuances. So good information for sure. All right, uh, where were we at? That was uh, that was number eight. So let's go into myth number nine, Liz. Uh, and the final two, again, kind of like on the previous podcast, these are kind of some bigger ones, uh, and they get kind of uh, kind of askewed a little bit. So myth number nine: Social Security benefits are based on income and assets, and that's not true either. Now, means testing is a word that we've been hearing that they may mm-hmm. use that as an option to maybe save the program or, or improve the program or alter the program, right? Whatever term you want to use, but they are not currently means tested. So like if we made the same amount of money, but one person had a more expensive house than the other, it doesn't mean your benefits different, right? It's based on your work history, not your assets. Correct. It's based on the 35 highest years of earnings that you paid into social security. And that's, that's what the calculation uh, is based on. Now, the formula uses these bin points. So somebody with a lower income is going to have a higher percentage benefit because you get more benefit for the first dollars that you paid into Social Security 
rather you know, and as you pay more in you get less benefit for those additional dollars it is somewhat adjusted for to give people that have a lesser income a little bit bigger percentage payout mm-hmm. which is which helps those that uh, didn't have as much opportunity to save for retirement um, right right yeah, so it can get a little confusing there, but typically it is just it's based on the highest thirty five and that calculation. The highest thirty five. Yeah, the highest thirty five, right. and that's going to lead us into myth number ten, uh, and, and that is that your benefits are based on the last job salary, right? And so I think that kind of gets confused with some pensions because some pensions are set up regular pensions from whatever company. Maybe it's based off the last three years or you know something like that. But Social Security does not do that. To your point, it's the last thirty five years. Uh, but if you don't have a 35-year history, they still do it by 35. <laughs> so yeah. That's pretty it, interesting. It, it's the 35 highest years. And if you don't have 35 years of it's a work zero, history, right? then there's zeros that are put yeah. in for those years. Because they use 35 years. Now, they they inflation adjust them. Mm-hmm. So you end up with this number that is your average inflation-adjusted earnings. So they take the 35 years of earnings, they adjust them for inflation based on what inflation has been over time, divide that by 35 years, divide that by 12 months. So basically you're getting that total earnings, top 35 divided by 420. uh, And that gives you that average number that they're going to base your benefit on. And like I said, you get more, uh, you get 90 cents on the dollar at the first bend point. And then you get 32 cents on the dollar at the next bin point, And then everything over that, you're getting 15 cents on the dollar. So that can play into some planning as mm. far as do I really need to continue to work to pay into Social Security or do I do something different that's not paying in because I really have kind of maxed out uh, or I'm not getting as much benefit for mm, the point. dollars paid in yeah. uh, to that. But, you know, if you're trying to increase the Social Security payout and you don't have 35 years, then that's one place that you can come back and add, uh, you know, make a difference in in that Social Security uh, benefit. But if you're somebody, we talked last time about the stay-at-home mom right. who's maybe had some years of work, and I'll get asked, well, should should my wife go back to work and and now that the kids are grown and gone and add to the social security that she has, well, she's going to get half of his. And it's, it's at that point in time, often not possible to work enough years and, and bring that benefit up to. Yeah, Cause you don't get both. His. Right. It's the same. You as don't get as, both. Right. It's the greater of the two. And so then the question is, you know, go back to work if you want to do that for the fulfillment of working and it's something that you enjoy, but you're not going to move the needle on the total Social Security coming into the house at this point in time. Yeah, don't let it be the only driver, right? If you want to just go work and have extra money, you're still going to make extra money, of course. If you want to make the extra money and you just want to have that fulfillment of working, then cool. But yeah, if you're just trying, well, I'm totally going to take a job to move the Social Security needle. Yeah, to your point, it may not be worth it. Yeah, right. And so it's good to look at those numbers and know uh, what the difference is, but uh, there may be other places that you could be impacting your retirement security other than uh, trying to do something with Social Security late late in the game. Right, right. All right, so there you go. So that is over the last two podcasts. That is 
10 Social Security myths that we wanted to break down a little bit for you there. Hopefully you found some good information in there. And as Liz mentioned on the prior podcast, uh, she does quite a bit of this on YouTube as well. So Liz, there's some good content there if folks would like to learn some more. There absolutely is. I've got some short videos that just explain the different benefits and then a longer uh, kind of webinar-based uh, video that provides really a look at how the different rules interplay. So if somebody is trying to make a decision on retirement, that would be very helpful to them to look at how do those rules interplay. And and if I make a, you know, if we start early or start later, how might that impact us as a couple uh, in retirement. Yeah. Okay. All right. So as always, folks, again, reach out to Liz. If you've got some questions, got some concerns, if you're not already working with her, uh, consider stopping by the website. Lots of good tools, tips, and resources at bestpathadvisors.com. That is bestpathadvisors.com, the little drop-down tab there or uh, at the top of the page. You can see things where it says good stuff. There's videos. There's webinars. There's the podcast page uh, right there at the top of her uh, website. You've got all those different things, or our services, how to contact her. Lots of good information, again, at bestpathadvisors.com. That's bestpathadvisors.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever platform you like to use. Liz, thanks for hanging out and breaking these down over the last couple of weeks. I appreciate you. Thank you, Mark. I enjoyed it very much. And we'll see you next time here on Retire on Your Best Path with Liz Whittaberry, founder and financial advisor at Best Path Advisors. The preceding program is sponsored by Best Path Advisors, which is solely responsible for its content. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through J.W. Cole Advisors. Best Path Advisors, J.W. Cole Financial, and J.W. Cole Advisors are unaffiliated entities. The opinions expressed by Liz Whitberry should not be construed as specific tax, legal, or investment advice, nor as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned herein. Neither J.W. Cole Financial nor its representatives provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W. Cole. Investing is subject to risks, including the loss of principal. Due to volatility within the markets mentioned, opinions are subject to change without notice. Information is based on sources believed to be reliable. However, their accuracy or completeness cannot be guaranteed.